Welcome to episode number 67 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. Today's topic is course on financial prosperity. And I'm going to get a little more a little more specific today and call today's session Steps to Prosperity. Now, I could sit here and give you 25 or 30 steps which you'd be bored with and that probably would not do a lot of good. So I've tried to reduce it down to just some things that I think need to be done in order to enable ourselves to prosper financially. So I know that God wants to bless it. I know that you're ready to receive it. So let me just pray and ask God's anointing. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that I have to bring this message at this time to those who have tuned in, Father. I pray that you would anoint now the words that I bring forth. pray that you would anoint your scriptures, Lord, that we'll be using, Father, to reach and touch the hearts of those that are listening in today. Thank you once again for this opportunity. We'll be careful to give you the praise for it, Father, because we know every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So we want to receive from you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This will be a very practical teaching today. We've covered so many topics over the months that we've been talking about finances and financial prosperity. We've discussed issues on spiritual prosperity being so important prior to financial prosperity. We also talked about what is wealth and what is the difference between true or false prosperity. That led to a discussion on what are true riches according to the Word of God. We had a topic dealing with seeking true prosperity would be our number one goal, and also discuss a topic entitled, What Robs Us of Prospering and What Robs Us of Being Blessed of the Lord When It Comes to Our Finances. I read some of those topics off because I wanted you to be aware, in case this is your first time listening to my podcast, that we've been teaching on a lot of topics, a lot of subjects dealing with financial prosperity. And if you would like to look at those, you can just tune back into cpnshows.com and look at my podcast there and you can see some of the other teachings that have been available to you. But today we're going to spend some time, some quality time, and we walk up to the checkout counter. And as we walk up along the sides of our, our cart, our shelves filled with all kinds of little items. They're basically little items sitting there that are, have signs on them. Buy this, buy this, and get this item. You need this right now. And it's, it's allowing us to be influenced by the things around us rather than to be focused on the things and the goals that we have in our spending habits. An impulse purchase is something that you just do on the spur of a moment. You don't plan for it. You don't pray about it. You don't do your due diligence to make sure that it is a right purchase, something that you should do. And when it comes to impulse purchases, a lot of people think, well, that's like buying a candy bar or whatever. And yes, it is. But there's a lot of people who have impulse purchases where they'll go out and buy an automobile and don't even realize that they're spending that kind of money and having that kind of a payment. They just kind of get on a whim and they decide they want to do it and they'll make a reckless decision and make an impulse purchase. I have a a friend who was talking to me the other day and he said he remembered years and years ago when he was a very young man that he was thinking about maybe someday getting a little bigger car, maybe a SUV, a vehicle that he could haul stuff around in. And he stopped off at one of these recreational vehicle places. And he went in there and the salesman started talking to him about traveling and about having this this big trailer, if you will, that has an engine in it. You can drive it around. It's a motorhome and it's something that he can take everywhere he wants and he can live in it and travel and all that good stuff. Well, the guy 
before he left there, he quickly decided, yeah, I think I'm going to get that. No planning, no direction, no prayer, no seeking God's wisdom, no no guidance in his life, no, not getting any input from someone else. He bought this $200,000 motorhome. Yeah, you heard me right. A $200,000 motorhome when he was thinking of going out and buying maybe a truck or a van or a SUV for $20,000 or $30,000. He basically got all caught up in the idea of this sales pitch and he made a terrible purchase and he did an impulse purchase and he let other people control his spending habit. That is a sure way to fail financially. So if you want to step to have financial success, then don't make those impulse purchases. We should never do that. Another thing that we do to make mistakes, to hurt our finances, is buying something to make us feel better, to feel good. I know a young couple that I've talked to many, many times about their finances, and they've got this little habit of theirs. They call it, we deserve a treat. We want to treat ourselves today. So one day we were chatting and I asked them, I said, how are your finances coming? And they looked at me and said, oh, they're great. They're really good. And we really are improving. We're controlling our spending and we're doing a really good job. And so as we were chatting, I asked him, I said, I'm just curious. Um, I see that coffee that you have, the coffee you have, just wondering how often do you purchase that and where do you purchase it? And they looked at me and they said, yeah, we know where you're going with this. And I said, yeah, let's, let's, go, through the, let's go through the motions here. Let's, let's think about that. How much money do you spend giving yourselves treats? First of all, how often do you think you should treat yourself to something that you've earned the right to treat yourself? And they said, pretty much every day because we work every day. So therefore, we should treat ourselves every day. Well, very quickly, we found out that they were spending about $20 a day on coffees and snacks every single day. If you do the math and they did that maybe 30 times a month, that's $600 a month they were spending on treats. If you do that over a period of a year, that's $7,200. Over 10 years, that's $72,000. Over 20 years, it's $144,000 worth of treats. Now, that's not accounting for any investment money or interest that they would earn on this money that they'd be saving away. But think about that. What people think as a $20 treat today, and it's no big deal, could turn out costing them $140,000 or $150,000 over 20 years, which would make a huge impact on their finances and on their road to financial prosperity. Another step that people take to go into financial failure or not having a successful financial plan is when an individual or a family or a couple do not budget their money. They don't sit down and determine how much money they're going to save, how much they're going to spend, how much they're going to spend each month, each week, how much they're going to spend each year in things like gifts and vacations and things of that nature. And they don't have a budget where they prepare something and then set up a guideline for it. I find it interesting over the years that I've been teaching that all the years that I was a pastor for 20 years, we did something that our congregation required of us, and that was to have a budget. We did an annual financial budget. We got our board of directors to approve the budget. And then during that year, it was my job to stay within the guidelines of that budget and not spend more than what it was approved for us to spend. Now, the church all liked that. I mean, the people in the congregation, they said, that's great. I love it. I want our church to be on a budget. I want them to be smart. But many times I've asked the congregation, since all of you, 100% of you want us to have a budget in the church, 
Let me ask you a question. Do you have a personal budget whereby you sit down and establish guidelines for where you're going to spend your money and how you're going to use the income that's coming in to either invest or spend or do whatever you want to with your finances? And I find that most people, probably 90% of the people I've talked to, do not have a regular scheduled budget for a week-to-week basis. And that's that's a definitely a step to financial failure. So now let's turn this to a positive side and look at some of the steps that I call them to successful financial planning, to successful debt-free living, to get yourself in a position financially where you are prospering and your finances are under control. The first step, in my opinion, would be to accept discipline in our life. In order to discuss what discipline is, we need to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation once again in Hebrews chapter 12. Rather than jumping just to chapter 12 verse 6, I want to read a few other scriptures because it's important we understand what this is telling us. And the writer of Hebrews is basically giving us instructions on how to receive and basically accept the discipline of the Lord. Now, I'm not a big fan of people disciplining me, but I love it when the Lord disciplines me. Now, some of you might think that I'm kind of crazy or that's kind of a silly thing to say, but when I think about the fact that God loves me so much that he's going to take the time to discipline me, so let me read a couple of verses. This particular group of verses in Romans 12 is entitled, God's Discipline Proves His Love for Us. It says right here, verse verse 5, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? He said, now that means God said this, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when He corrects you. Verse 6, this is a great scripture. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now that part alone is good enough to be happy to receive the discipline from the Lord. But he goes on and says, And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now verse 7, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is teaching you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Verse 9, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Did you hear what I just said? God's discipline is always good for us. And this this is what it's telling us to understand that. So that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11. This is another wonderful verse. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, boy, this is wonderful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You know, when God disciplines us, he does it for our own good. As a matter of fact, there's another translation that says, when God disciplines us, he does it so that we will receive a profit or a benefit or a blessing from him. You see, God's discipline can be just basically not answering every prayer that we ask. We go to God and we ask for this and we ask for that and we ask for this and this and this and this and we go on and on and on and then we wonder why we're not getting it all. Because God knows what he should approve in our prayer requests and what he should deny. 
And so we think that we're being disciplined, that God doesn't love us because we're not getting everything that we want. You see, many people think that God is like a Santa Claus who basically just has a bag of gifts. And every time we ask for something, he just hands out more gifts to us. But our God is a God of love and a God of discipline. And he disciplines so that we can be blessed. He disciplines his children. So listen to this again. Read it very carefully. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. I know what that feels like and so do you. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You might wonder why I've spent so much time on the word discipline. Well, I think it's a crucial word. I think it's very important to have discipline in our lives. Let me give you another example. When I help people and try and counsel them in their finances based upon God's word, many times this discussion comes up about credit cards, whether they're good or whether they're bad, or whether we should cut them all up and get rid of them and never use them. But to me, cutting up your credit cards is basically saying, I have no discipline. I have no control. I'm going to cut this thing up and get it away from me. So therefore, I don't have to worry about it. I don't believe that everybody should just take their credit cards and cut them up because somehow they don't have the discipline to be able to learn how to use them properly. I know in my own life, I've used credit cards since they were they came out. I believe they came out about 50 years ago and I've been using them ever since. And in all those years, I've never ever paid any interest on any of my credit cards because I never put something on a credit card that's not in my budget. So if you put something in your budget then and you used your credit card to pay for it, at the end of the month when that credit card bill comes in, the money is in your budget that you can pay it off and not have to pay any interest. Besides, there's a blessing to a credit card if you use it properly that you can get cash back from those people that issue them or you can get air miles to travel or rewards to purchase things and there are benefits and those benefits come when we first put discipline in our life. So I'm going to get off of this subject now, this topic. The first step towards having a goal towards financial prosperity is to accept discipline based upon God's word found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 6 and verse number 11. Now, here's the next step towards financial prosperity. Determine how much you spend. Now, that has a little bit to do with having a budget, but we need to sit down and say, how much am I going to spend? A lot of people believe that the only way to improve their finances is to make more money. And I'm here to tell you that that's partly true, but more important than that is how we spend money. Because a lot of people make a certain amount of money and when they get more money, they spend more. And the more money that they make, the more money that they spend. And they put themselves in a position whereby they're buying things because their income is increasing and they're not evaluating whether it's a want, a need, or a desire in their spending habits. So I think we need to focus on our spending and understand that we should reduce spending and have a control on our spending in order to improve our financial position. And I'm telling you, just like that example I gave you, it's hard to imagine a $20 a day habit for a treat and spending could turn out to be 20 years later, $140,000 or $150,000 in cash sitting in your bank account. Here's another step towards financial prosperity. See yourself being debt-free. Imagine what it would be like to be debt-free. One of my favorite passages of scripture talks about calling forth those things that are not as though they are. The Apostle Paul wrote about it and he talks about 
God wants to bless us, and he should, we should always plan to see what it's going to be like after the blessing. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't want to think about cancer and talk all about the treatments and all that stuff and get wrapped up in my circumstances. What I focused on was God's promise for my healing, and so my wife and I called it forth and said, Father, we just ask that you bring forth those things that are not as though that they are. And when we prayed that and believed that, then God gave us peace and helped us through that very difficult challenge in our life. Now, some of you may wonder where that teaching comes, where the Bible tells us that he brings forth something from nothing. And it's found in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul is talking about how God blessed Abraham. Abraham and Sarah wanted to have children. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He's basically saying, I'm going to bring forth those things that are not as though they are. Abraham and Sarah said, I don't think that's going to happen. We're in our 90s and it's just not going to happen. We just can't. We're not able to produce children. But God said, I'm going to bring things that are dead back to life. And so that teaching is so powerful. Matter of fact, teaching touched my heart so much that I wrote a book on it. And I'm sorry to promote another book here, but I do need to bring it up. And that is that I wrote a book entitled receive everything from what we call nothing. And if you go to my webpage that I've talked about earlier, you can find that book there. And it talks about and studies how we can call forth those things that are not as though they are. We can see ourselves debt-free. We can see ourselves financially independent. We can see ourselves having financial prosperity. Let me just give you one more step towards financial freedom, if you will, or financial prosperity. Learn how to live debt-free. A lot of people will say, yeah, I'd like to think of myself as being debt-free. But I think another important question is, can we imagine ourselves debt-free and stay debt-free? A lot of folks can get out of debt. They get their car paid off. They get all excited. They see a new car. They run out, buy another car, get another big loan, and start the whole cycle all over again with debt. And I know sometimes you have to do that because the car wears out and those types of things happen. But if we really want to have financial prosperity, we have to see ourselves, imagine ourselves debt-free. And also when that happens and when it comes to pass, we can then realize that we can continue to live debt-free. And we don't have to have all these things that interrupt our plan for financial success. So I hope that's helpful. I hope that these steps bless you and that they are helpful in a path or steps, we should say, to financial prosperity. Now, I'm going to talk to you from a very important verse, one that I believe that applies to almost every one of these sessions on financial prosperity. And it's found in the book of Luke. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Very important verse, one that is so crucial. It says here, Then he said, beware. Jesus is talking to a rich person. Matter of fact, the Bible refers to this rich person as a fool. Parable of the rich fool, it says. And verse 15 said, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So this man was asking him questions. When this man was talking to Jesus, he said, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. He was trying to figure out and count his money and see how much money he was worth and wanted to kind of get in that position where he could just control his conversation with Jesus about finances. By the way, if you want to go to God and talk about finances, you got to remember God owns everything and he's not impressed with our financial success. He's only impressed with our relationship with him. And when he blesses us or allows us to be blessed, he's concerned about how we use those finances in order to be a blessing to others. 
Well, back to chapter 12. If, I don't want to read all the verses to you, but basically what's happening here, Jesus is talking to this rich guy, and this rich fellow thinks he's got all the answers, and he wants to know from Jesus what his thoughts or his opinions of things are. And Jesus says, well, basically, what, what big, what's the big deal? He says, you, you, you're going to tear down a building and build a bigger one, or you're going to spend your money in this way or spend your money in that way. And he basically is getting frustrated with this guy because this guy's wanting to know, well, how do I do this and how do I do that? But then Jesus says this, but God said to this man, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? He, then Jesus says this, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I don't know how I could wrap up anything better than to talk about financial prosperity in the perspective of how God sees it. First of all, Jesus warns this guy and he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. He says, don't be greedy in your business transactions. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. Write that down. Remember that life is not measured by how much you own. I know a lot of, just so I, just so you understand, I know a lot of very wealthy people because of my years in real estate, finance, and banking. As a banker, I met some of the wealthiest people in our state and even in the country. Big name companies, extremely wealthy people who were even billionaires. I didn't say million, I said billionaires. And yet I found one thing to be consistent with them. Those who had a relationship with Jesus were happy, peaceful people, and they were blessing others with their wealth. Those who did not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior were miserable. And their whole focus in life was to make more and make more and get more money and get more possessions and have more than the next guy. But here Jesus is telling us basically, you know, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? You see, no matter how much money we have, when we die, we leave it all behind. Everything that's here is left behind. We cannot take our wealth with us. However, if we bless others who then received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because of the financial blessing that we made on someone's life to help them get up in life and let them know that someone cares, we're making an investment in heaven. No, we don't take money with us. But that person who was blessed because we were able to help them wound up being able to accept Jesus Christ. And then when they pass on, they'll spend eternity in heaven. That's how we store up treasures in heaven and not treasures here on earth. As I'm closing this teaching today, I go back and look at those words that Jesus says, life is not measured by how much you own. That's so important because if we're not careful in this teaching on financial prosperity, we'll start thinking about how rich we can get and how much money we have. That's not my goal. My goal is not for all of us to become millionaires and have tons of money. My goal is that everyone here establishes a better relationship with Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can take care of that right now. You can simply say, Father, I've sinned and I'm sorry for the sins I've made. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I receive him this day. I ask to be forgiven of all my sins. And I pray, God, that I'll serve Jesus the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, if we just say that prayer and believe it with all of our heart, we are now establishing a relationship with God. That scripture tells you when Jesus was talking, he says he wants us to have a relationship with the Father. The Father blesses us because he loves us. And if he wants to bless us financially so that we are able to have an abundance for every good work, that's what the Bible calls it, that we can be blessed and have finances and then have an abundance for helping other people. 
then that's what God wants to do in your life. And I believe he does. I believe that God wants us to prosper. I believe he wants us to be a blessing to others. And I believe that his word teaches that over and over again. So we've gone through the steps to prosperity. So let me give you a couple quick comments and review. First of all, to be financially successful, we need to control the desire to have things now rather than having patience. We need to stop blaming our circumstances with the reasons that maybe we don't have the finances that we would like to have. We need to control impulse purchases or things that we allow other people to control our spending. We need to stop buying things because it makes us feel good about ourselves and we need to have a budget. Then we need to take a step forward and accept the discipline of the Lord. We should have a plan to control our spending, to reduce our spending, and to make only good purchases. We need to see ourselves being debt-free and then believe that we can live free and that we don't have to be a servant to someone else because we owe them a lot of money. So those are things that we've discussed today. And I want to wrap it up with praying for you and believing that God has something very special for you in your area and your desire and your dream to be financially prosperous. Father, I pray blessing upon all those who've listened in today. I thank you for this opportunity that we've had. I thank you, God, that you have blessed it, that you have touched it, you have anointed it, Father, because I know that you intervened in this whole teaching today. I thank you for that now. I pray, God, that you would bless those that listened in today and that they would listen to this teaching predominantly listen to your words, Father God, that I read to them, Father, and that those words, Father, would make drastic change in all of our lives. And we'll thank you for it and give you the praise now. In Jesus' name, amen. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to have some interesting topics because in about the next, I think, three or four weeks, I'm going to be bringing this series on financial prosperity to a close and move into a new topic dealing with our faith. I believe that people need to understand how to see their faith grow and have a confidence in God that helps us to overcome all the challenges that we'll face in life. Next week, I'm going to be discussing Radical Giving Prosperous the following week, A Legacy of Generosity. So I'm looking forward to them. I know that God will bless you. If you're interested in Getting more information about my writings, you can go to my webpage, davidcfriendauthor.com. And when you turn there, you'll see an opportunity to go to a link that will take you to the books that I've written that might be of benefit and help to you. In addition to that, there's a place to sign up for my monthly newsletter, which is currently dealing with the area of finance. In addition to that, if you would like to, subscribe to my podcast. You can do that on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. I pray that you will prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Until next time, may God richly bless you.